As it turns out in this time, um, we've, all, uh, we've all been seeing the news, right, in the media. And this is a title, I would have given this sermon, Absent COVID-19 and Coronavirus and What We're All Going Through. Um, it, w- it was good news. It's what Jesus is talking about here in this passage of Scripture for his audience at the time. Uh, although when he, we read this, you're going to say, that's good news? Um, thankfully, we're reading this 2,000 years later and know the context of what he's saying. And we have the rest of the New Testament scripture that builds on what Jesus is getting at here. And it is most definitely him beginning to point to some good news. Um, so that's the title of the sermon this morning. Um, and uh, and I'm, I'm excited to get into it. Again, this is the title that we would have given it absent, uh, absent all that is going on around us. Um, but if you're tuned in this morning, I believe you're going to see uh, and hear some good news. Um, so let, let's jump in. This uh, uh, I like to just show this picture as we get started um, to give you uh, get your mind in the right place to remember where Jesus was speaking from when he told this story, when he gave this sermon, what we know is the Sermon on the Mount. He was sitting on the hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. We called it his leadership retreat. He brought his top leaders in to begin to talk about and teach them what was coming because he knew he was going to need their help to build out the church that God was, was, was bringing uh, to his people and the Gentiles. He was bringing to anybody, whosoever. And so this is where he sat. It's a, it's a perspective in our minds. Let's all go there. This morning, we're all sitting on the hillside uh, by the Sea of Galilee, the temperature is just right, whatever that temperature is for you. For me, it's about 70 with a little breeze and sunshine. Um, and we are not in our homes and not allowed to go out uh, in public gatherings. We're sitting on the hillside, okay, listening to Jesus talk and teach us about truths. This is the person that knows everything about everything, everything about you, everything about the world, everything about creation, everything about the future. That's who's talking uh, this morning. So uh, let's read this scripture, and then we'll spend some time uh, working our way uh, through it. It's Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 17. uh, And the heading in my Bible says, the fulfillment of the law. See, I told you we are going to talk about the law. I'm giving you a great example this morning. Um, Chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Pretty straightforward um, passage of scripture, although there is so much depth there. Uh, And we're not going to dig deep, 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 deep into this, but... Uh, In these few verses, we really get the context, the whole of the Bible, the story here. 
we get the, the whole crux. We're moving all the way to the top. We're not really digging down into uh, one facet of Christianity. This is what it's about. The Bible can be, uh, you know, for, uh, for us, when you, if you're a new Christian or you're new, new to the Bible, I mean, it's a bit overwhelming, right? It's uh, multiple different books by multiple different authors spanning thousands of years. Uh, you got an Old Testament, you got a New Testament, uh, and it can be a little bit confusing. Jesus gives us a framework around that here that I want to talk about this morning, and many different pastors and theologians put this in different ways. Um, we're we're going to compare really two things this morning, the law and the gospel. Here's what I want to tell you. Um, is if you've ever, if you feel like you've spent your whole life trying to do good enough so that God would accept you, this is a message for you. If you've tried your whole life to dot all the I's and cross all the T's but seem to always miss on some mark, this message is for you. If you feel like you wonder if when you do wrong, is God still with me? This is a message for you. See, what Jesus was talking to here, who he was talking to, I want to try to frame this up for you. The Old Testament uh, or the Old Covenant, the law, Jesus says here in verse 17, he says, he's, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, everything from the Old Testament. And that law for the people he was talking to, that included uh, the moral law. The Ten Commandments, very straightforward, like don't kill, don't lie, you know, don't put other gods before me. Uh, all those things that we know, the Ten Commandments, that's a subset of this. It also included what they called the ceremonial and civil law, which if you go read Deuteronomy and Leviticus, I think there's only about 613 that tell you what kind of hygiene to have, how you should, what you should do each day, um, and how you should approach uh, the temple, you know, all these ceremonial laws. It also included all the, the words of the prophets, so Isaiah, Nehemiah, Jonah, um, all the, Jeremiah, all these great prophets. This is what the people he was talking to, this was the scripture that they had, the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the law was, uh, was a covenant with God's covenant with his people that said, if, here's all the rules and laws, and if you do all these right, I will reward you. If you don't, you get punished. We brought that on ourselves when Adam and Eve messed up in the garden. It's almost like in the Old Testament, it's almost like uh, they were dealing with children, right? When you deal with, with children, they don't have a full understanding. You just give them a rule. You give them, don't do this and don't do that. Like Rozzy, uh, sometimes if, oh, back in the day, uh, yeah, I was standing out this morning in our, our, our entryway where we always have breakfast and coffee, and uh, it's just completely empty, and usually you can't find a seat out there. And kind of reminiscing and thinking, man, how much did we take for granted just the ability to see each other's faces and be there? And I was, I was thinking, oh, back in the good old days, two weeks ago, uh, when we all got together. Uh, but also when we were able to all ride together and Rosie and Hucky would get together and they'd ride, we'd put them in the back seats and they'd be in their car seats. Rosie is 10 now, Hucky's eight, seven or eight, just turned eight, I think. Um, but as they've been growing up, they've grown up first cousins, but more like brothers and sisters. But, you know, you, we got to a point where we had to put them in seats where they couldn't reach each other, right? You'd yell them from the front seat, don't touch each other. It gets to a point like, here's the rule, don't touch each other. And what do they do? Here's what rules do. You find ways around them. They pick something up and hit them with that. It's like, I didn't touch her. I didn't touch him. 
And that's what rules do. Rules are this, on the surface, they're these guidelines that protect. But Jesus is getting ready to go deeper into this. And this is all this generation that he's speaking to, that's all they've ever known, is either I do right and I do perfect, and I live up to the law as best I can and get rewarded, or I mess up and I get punished. That's who he was talking to. Not only that, they'd known their parents, their grandparents had struggled through these times of knowing I've got to live up to this law and this perfection. Jesus begins to take it deeper here. Um, and he, he, he's, he's getting into the spiritual and the why. Remember when I talked about speeding when I was younger? You know, when you just get your license, you think you, you only obey the, the speed limit when you see a police officer, right? Because you don't understand the why that actually you don't just not speed so you don't get a ticket. You don't speed so you don't crash, so you don't risk your life. Um, those are there. There's a big why behind those. And so Jesus is starting to get into that here after we get through this passage um, but there's, there's really uh, two groups here that we want to talk about um, as we figure out, okay, what's this mean? So that's how they lived, and Jesus getting ready to teach them different. So we got the law of the Old Testament, and we got what we see in the New Testament, mercy and grace and what we call the gospel. The gospel, that word means good news, I'm going to speak some good news to you this morning from the words of Jesus Christ. He teaches here in the laws, he says, I've not come to abolish them, I've come to fulfill them. And he does that in several different ways. He becomes the living example of righteousness and perfection, uh, right? The law demanded perfection. Jesus became that. The law demanded punishment for disobedience. And we see that Christ, though he lived perfectly, took the punishment we all deserved on the cross. He bore the punishment for every man's disobedience. He did that in our place. That's why he's saying here, I didn't come to abolish it. I'm not saying laws don't matter anymore. And so this is where we get in our world today. You got two different groups, kind of. You got... Uh, you got one group um, that is strict religion, strict religion that says, this is what I call the Bible says group. You ever met these people? Like you, they, they meet somebody and they don't even know if they're a Christian or not. And they just immediately see something wrong they're doing in their life. Says, Bible says y'all shouldn't be living together before you get married. The Bible says this, the Bible says that, the Bible says this. And they use these rules as a set of guidelines as if that is how we uh, gain acceptance with God. This is a legalistic, this is, a Pharise- this is the way the Pharisees approached it because uh, they tried to do their best on the outside. We've been talking about this for four weeks now, uh, but they were empty on the inside. And Jesus said, that's, that's not the case. He's saying, that's not the way the law works. That's not its intent. You, he's saying here, uh, he gets to the end of this verse 20 and he's telling these people who think the most righteous people they know are the Pharisees. He says, unless you are more righteous than them, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's on the surface, that's bad news, right? Because they think they're the most righteous. They use the, 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 this group, the strict religious group, they use the Bible like a, a rule book or something. You know, if you were, 
at a little league game and you've got that one parent or coach that keeps the rule book in their back pocket and it's code three, section six of this one that says you can't do this and you did, so now you get punished. That's the law, the strict religion. The other side is the loose religion that says, hey, it's mercy and grace. Jesus said he forgives everything. You live any way you want, man. He just forgives you. He's full of mercy and grace. He loves you no matter how you act, what you're doing. You know, just, just one morning or one Sunday or one service or one time say, hey, God, I'm yours. I want to I be with you. I had this, this moment where I decided I'm yours and now uh, I'm yours. Now I can live any way that I want. Jesus is getting ready to teach us here there's an in-between on those. That actually it's not about what you do, it's about why you do it. And he's getting ready to get into the heart of that. So we risk being on one of those two fences, all of us. Uh, on one of those two sides of the fence. Either we are talking about strict religion, we're talking about rules and do this or don't do this. Or we're saying, God's just all mercy and grace, and it's okay no matter what you do or how you live. And I want us to see what the Bible teaches us about this truth. It's blessed me. Studying this this weekend has truly blessed me to see this good news in my own life, and I hope it does for you as well. Even as Christians, we, um, we can sometimes neglect the law, the things, the guys that he gives us. Many times it's because we're deceived about its importance or we're preoccupied uh, with other things or we're reacting or rebelling. Uh, and, and to be honest, this was a bit of my nature when I was younger. Uh, just my given nature was to push back against authority or what anybody else said should be or would be or could be. Um, and many of you have been there or are there, and, you know, I didn't get better from that. God changed me, and that's a reminder for me. It's like I started thinking, hey, I don't really feel the way that I used to about those things, um, and God has harnessed that part of me for good, I believe, And but it's not because I got better. It's because God changed me, and we're going to talk about that uh, this morning and sometimes we just obey what God says is right and wrong because we're afraid it's going to, you know, it's, it's going to suck the fun out of life. It's going to restrict fun. We can't, now we can't have fun, but I love doing those things. I love going out. I love partying. Uh, I love watching all these, you know, the, the filthy shows that I watch. I love doing all these things. Uh, and that's what makes me happy. And it's just going to restrict my fun. So we just completely ignore God's laws. But here's what he says. This is a powerful verse, I think. This is a reminder. This is reeling both sides in. This is coming in and saying, hey, you that are all about laws, can't get you there. Being good enough, you know, making sure you check every box and making sure you've done section 501C6, uh, and but you've not done this one. Uh, that's not how you get to heaven because the Bible says all of us have failed somewhere on that. If you fail on any of those, then you're not worthy. If you failed any of it, you can't get there. Then he's bringing the other people in and say, hey, rules don't matter. It's all mercy and grace. We're just going to live any way we want. And Paul talks about it and says, wow, if it's all grace, should I just live how I want and do what I want? He says, no, no, that's not it. See, when you've accepted Christ into your heart, you no longer, you no longer are alone. Your will is no longer just yours. The Bible says the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us, and we have a mind after the Spirit, then we become to love the things 
of God. We begin to see his laws and rules in a totally different light. He says, in this verse 18, he says, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law and everything is a, until everything is accomplished. He says, therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. If you set any of these rules aside and say, hey, they don't really matter, just live how you want, he says we'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Of heaven, And here we see, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. All right, let's just all take a deep breath and say, okay, how do we get into heaven? The only thing that can get into heaven is righteousness. Righteousness is your ticket. We've laid the groundwork and said you alone can never be righteous, right? Paul makes that clear. None are righteous, no, not one, except for Jesus Christ. Here was Jesus telling his disciples. He was laying the groundwork. Here he was telling them, unless someone is more righteous than the Pharisees, you, can't get it. you, can, you, you will not get into the, the kingdom of heaven. The very person who was speaking this to the disciples, he knew. He knew God sent him here. He knew his father sent him here as one with God. He knew that he was the one. He was the hope that they had. Absent him living out his faith in perfection and fulfilling the law, they had no hope. See, that's the purpose. What's the purpose of the law? Well, there's one that... You know, it, it does protect us for common good. You know, it keeps some authority and it keeps everybody from stealing from each other and killing each other, and that's on the surface. But in the depth of it, it really shows our brokenness. I want you to go, I'm not gonna die, I'm gonna not, not gonna dive into it and go into it this morning, but Romans chapter seven and Romans chapter eight, uh, they get into this, uh, Paul gets into this in deep, deep stuff. The law came, existed simply for us to see we can't do it. We can't be perfect, that we don't have a hope, that we need something else. We need somebody else. Jesus came into this world to give us that hope. If you've been feeling like you've been trying your whole life to work and be good enough that God would accept you, you're not there yet and you won't get there. Absent your faith and belief in Jesus Christ. That's really what we want to talk about this morning. This is what I want you to take away from this this morning. What is the good news? Look here in Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. It says, however, to the one who does not work, who tried to meet all the, the, the be perfect, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. This means that you, that me, that anybody, anybody watching anywhere, no matter how they've lived and what they've done, 
can turn their hearts to Christ. And, and when you put your faith and confidence in him, that God looks down where he saw sin before he sees perfection. Can you imagine if you could have been sitting here with Jesus telling him the story? I mean, he, he knows everything. And I mean, even what I studied through this, I just got a, mm, a little bit of what he's saying because he knows it all. As disciples are trying to understand this and grapple with it, they think, they think all of my ancestors have had to live under this strict Try, try, try. And you're telling me this good news that my generation, that we have hope and grace and mercy, that the prophet, that, that God's son, he's promised through all these different prophecies in the Old Testament that he has come and that in his mercy and grace, I no longer have to sacrifice an animal every month. I no longer have to try to please God. You're gonna please God for me. And, and then my faith in you makes me your brother or sister, and I get the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We find that we work, uh, work through this and we will try our best to do good for many different reasons. Sometimes we do it to just to be acceptable to God, sometimes we do it to be respectable in the community. Like, I want to be a good, upstanding community member, so I'm going to try to obey all the laws and do things right. Uh, sometimes it's so we can have fellowship with others. Sometimes it's because our parents are forcing us or did force us. You know, that rule, you're going to act this way and that's what you're going to do. So you do it to make them happy. You do it to make a spouse happy. You do it to make a potential date happy. And you begin on the surface being like Pharisee and acting better. Um, but you may not have given your heart. Here's what I know. God does not want our formal worship without our confession of unworthiness. He does not want our good works, our giving it our all to be good without our heart. He doesn't want clean and moral living and you know, you're trying to be the best you can without a confession that you need his help spiritually. He doesn't want just part of your life without your willingness to abandon all of you, to die daily, to bear your cross daily and die to yourself. He doesn't just want part. He wants it all. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. We sing these songs about freedom all the time. I'm free, I'm free, yes, I'm free indeed. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean we're free from the law that we don't have to obey it anymore. It means we are free from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is if you are not perfect, you have no hope for heaven. We are not free from the law. We are free from the curse of the law. Let me go to Galatians. I'm going to find it. I don't have it uh, on the screen, but I want to read you. This is another great uh, chapter. As the law shows us we have no hope, uh, it reminds us that we do have hope in Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3, another great chapter on law and grace and mercy, and we're going to uh, move on from this next week in, in certain ways, but I want to read you this from Galatians chapter 3 
I'm going to start reading. Uh, let me read 13 and 14 first. Now, let, let me say, the title of this is Faith or Works of the Law. Let me read Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Uh, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Curses everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. This goes on. It's great. I don't have time to read it all, but I'm going to go down to 23 and read you the end of chapter 3. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. We become children of God. That is such good news this morning. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This morning I hope we can just all come to this point of knowing of our confession of unworthiness to God. And you may think you live a pretty good life. You know, that Ten Commandments, hey, I got those. You know, I've not, I've not murdered anybody this week. I, I didn't show up uh, and I didn't rob a bank this week. I didn't steal from my neighbor this week. Um, but Jesus goes on to say things like, yeah, you, you've read in the law where it's, uh, if you murder someone, it, it comes with judgment. But actually... If you, uh, if you even uh, harbor anger, animosity toward a person this week, you're guilty of murder. He says if it's in your heart, then you're guilty. You've sinned. That guilt is not about, oh, I should try harder. It's about, oh, I need Jesus. Like, I need Jesus. That's what I need. The law is there to point toward Jesus. The entire Old Testament pointed toward a hope that was coming the good news in this chapter is for those people that were living at that time they got to meet in person Jesus Christ as we wrap this up I want to say that God wants us to do good I said it's about the why it's not about what you do you see when we just try to obey rules and we try to be better the reason we really are doing it is most of the time it's selfish, right? It's, oh, I got to be good so I can get to heaven. I got to, and that's, that's many times what we uh, have taught our kids and teach our kids. I got to be good so I can get to heaven. God doesn't want us to be good for ourselves. He wants us to good, to do good because we love him. See, when you have the spirit inside of you, your desires change and you begin to desire the things of God and it no longer looks like a set of rules. It looks like, man, that is the way God wants me to live. That's the way I want to live. I want to be more and more like that every day. 
because he's changed our hearts. He's renewed our minds. He's renewing our strength when we're patient and we trust him. God puts love in our heart through the Holy Spirit. When our heart changes, we have a sincere desire through our love for him to begin to love the things that he loves. It says we're heirs to his promise and in this time of uncertainty, yeah, unprecedented for my generation of this type of uh, social distancing and things we've done as communities uh, to come together around this. Um, can I share with you that God is still on the throne? That God still loves us, that we are still heirs to his promise, that uh, his promises, that, that we still have the promise that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. Promises that he can work together all things uh, for, for, for the good of those that love him. A, a promise that means uh, even though we can't see it, even though we can't feel it, that he is working all around us. A promise and a reminder maybe we have right now that this world is just temporary. That money is just a thing. That entertainment is just a thing we do. But maybe we could come together and you could share this good news simply with your children and just say, hey, you're never going to be perfect. You, but Christ can change your heart. All you got to do is believe and trust in him. He can change your heart and make you a new person if you put your faith and trust in him. If you believe that, that he came and he lived perfectly, he died on a cross and he was resurrected on the third day. When you believe those things, it's not just like turning over a new leaf. It is supernatural change in your heart and in your mind. I'm thankful for that this morning. I'm thankful for that for you. If you've struggled with this for years, I don't care where you are right now. And you say you've still been trying to get your life in order to come to Jesus Christ. And he's saying, I will get your life in order. Trust me. Trust in me first. You can do that this morning no matter where you are. Let's all collectively as a church put our faith and trust in him. Let's be reminded that no matter how bad and what we see on the surface, if we tune it out and we go to Christ, he's still king of our hearts. He's still in complete control. He is not scattering, trying to figure out what to do. He knows he has a purpose for you and me. He numbered our days. He ordained our days before us. We can rest in that trust, that promise this morning. God, we come to you as we begin to wrap this up. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for what you've blessed us with. Lord, we thank you that as, as Jesus stood there and taught this, uh, this lesson to his disciples, uh, God, that, that he was giving them an inkling of who he was and what he was about to do. He was about to flip their kingdom upside down, their thoughts about what, who God was and how he was going to reach them and the Gentiles. And uh, God, this is that point where he shared to people who were hopeless some good news that there's always hope. I can be reminded of Abraham where the Bible said that against hope, he believed in hope. We're there today, this morning, together. We're approaching your throne boldly. 
Lord, asking for mercy and help in this time of need. You promised you'd show up, and that's some good news. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going to wrap this up. I'm going to try to share another song, you know, break the law one more time. Um, and uh, if we get kicked off, go look it up on YouTube yourself. You can watch it together. Uh, it's a Crowder song called Red Letters um, that just speaks to the heart of this, that we very well could have been there uh, at uh, when Christ was crucified, throwing the rock, cheering to have him crucified. And, but then we read the red letters that he loves us, that he gives us mercy and grace, and he's willing to change our hearts if we'll just let him. I encourage you to stick together as a family, engage in our New Beginnings Fellowship Church group page on Facebook. Um, feel free to share this uh, sermon out. We'll get it on the podcast soon. Um, and uh, again, if God is on your heart and you feel uh, driven to continue to give and support this ministry, you can do that online at mbfc.church forward slash give. Um, and let's stick together as a family through all of this. Thank you all. Hope you have a wonderful week.